Listening to Letter to a Black Girl, a podcast that celebrates the best of Black British women. I'm your host, Gloria Onitori. Hello, hello, it's me. Yes, it's Gloria Onitori, and we are back bringing you this week's Letter to a Black Girl. So I am really, really excited this week. I'm excited about what we're doing. We haven't done anything like this before. We are breaking the norm and we are literally crossing the seas to talk with the beautiful, warm and visionary sister that is the sensational artist, Miss Amber Shanice, coming to us fresh from LA right now. Ah, I love it. (laughs) And And we also have bringing us her kinetic kind, calming, and loving mind, the gorgeous educator, wellness advocate, and yogi that is Miss Kimberly Aparicio. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, this is a major first for us here on Letter to a Black Girl, getting in there to hear from our American sisters about their views on Black Brits culture and to share some soul food of the mind obviously um so but listen listen ladies let's just get this out of the way have you come down from the celebrations this weekend oh my goodness (laughs) (laughs) so excited it's been a long time coming i know right (laughs) i mean we couldn't have timed this ep any better i was like oh my god i can't believe i'm talking to two americans i am like that is just it's gonna be insane i mean how does the new presidential elects affect you for me personally it's like we're finally not saying that the hate is just going to completely go away that we experience every day but i feel like it's just going to get so much better i I, i'm praying that it gets better it it has just been crazy past four years (laughs) so i'm just happy to say the least I, i i am so happy yeah, well, um, I feel f- full disclosure to your audience, although my accent belies this, I'm, I'm not American, but uh, I have spent a, a significant enough portion of my life there to have acquired the accent. And uh, for me personally, well, I felt some personal pride uh, because I matriculated at the University of Pennsylvania. And uh, Pennsylvania was so critical, Philadelphia specifically. Uh, to the outcome of the race. So so that felt particularly good to me. Also, I have young nieces and nephews who have been growing up and will continue to live their lives in the U.S. And I feel I can exhale. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's genuinely what it, it feels like. This is a beautiful step to be taking forward. Yeah, so I it feel is hopeful. A, it's amazing. I just, and like being able to witness that and see that joy on 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 all the faces of so many millions of americans and especially our black brothers and sisters across the way to see 
that relief um, and joy, it's a really wonderful thing to witness, actually. I'm just really hoping that the change comes, you know, it does really come uh, because it's so well deserved and, and, it, and it should have happened a long, long time ago. I mean, what's your opinion? I'm, I'm getting this all out of the way now and then we can mm-hmm. get into something way more sisterly in a minute. But what's your <laughs> opinion on the, the electoral voting system? Because that's the thing that mm. everyone is talking about right now. For myself, I don't like it. <laughs> I'm mm. not a fan of it. And the reason is because they pretty much put this in place because Democrats are going to always come out on top if this electoral college was not in place. This gives Republicans a chance, I guess, to be in office, but it's not fair because we're telling you who we want and you're saying, no, this state has this many electoral votes. So this person is going to get all of these votes, no matter what you say. That's Mm -hmm. kind of how I feel. And so I'm not a fan of that. That's how you know who got into office in the first place was because of these electoral votes. Mm -hmm. You did not get the popular vote. And so I'm not a fan. (laughs) I am not a fan. Yeah, I suppose there's some irony there because I mean, on the face of it, it's meant to be representative, right? So the number of of votes corresponding with the size of the states. But then to Amber's point, if you're not actually getting out of it what it's intended to realize, then that's problematic. So it's worth reviewing that Mm. and looking at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because it's such, I mean, it's so different to anything that we have here. It's good to hear your views on it. I mean, do you think that having, this is going back a little bit and relating it to our heritage a bit more, but do you think that having a black president actually made a difference? Oh, that's a juicy one. It is, so. it's juicy. That's what we're doing here. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll relate a short story. I was in LA the day of the election four years ago and then I was in San Francisco not long after Um, and I was doing one of these uh, bike rides around the city as a tourist. It was my first time in San Francisco and I was crossing the Golden Gate Bridge and there was a black man there holding an effigy of President Obama and on the back of this effigy was a sign that read Pyrrhic Victory. So just um, really uh, alluding to the fact of the ostensible Obama victory leading to the inevitability of Donald Trump. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a victory, but what did we lose in, in gaining in some mm. sense, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and I remember being quite discouraged <laughs> seeing that. Um, uh, but I, I don't think it was necessarily to, uh, a gesture to say this was Barack Obama's fault so much as to uh, say, let's look at ourselves. You know, all, all that's kind of come out of this is a realization of what has always been here. And I think this is what we're seeing again, of course, looking at um, how many folks did vote for 45, you know, the second time around. Yeah. And so then, okay, so that leads me really nicely onto me asking you, Amber, like, what do you think and hope the next four years are going to look like? Um, I, I want to also go back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, when Obama was 
elected president for his first term. I still remember, I was in eighth grade when this happened. Um, and I remember sitting around the kitchen table with the TV on and my parents, everybody was just crying. <laughs> they were just so happy, you know? And I remember crying and knowing what I was crying for, but at the same time, not really. Um, and this happened this time around, looking at the TV, I just started crying because I'm like, oh, finally, it's happening again. I, I got that feeling of warmth in my soul again, like things are going to be okay. Um, I feel like we're just going to see just this turnaround of happiness. I'm hoping, I, I am hoping, I, I know that, um, I'm sorry, no, <laughs> I, know, I, know. I, I know that these past four years, I, we've experienced um, just so much ugly, so much ugly. And I, I'm, I know people are angry, those that did vote for him. And I, I am hoping that they could, people can find it in their hearts as to why we voted for Biden in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, just for all, just acceptance. I, mm -hmm. I'm hoping for acceptance. That is what their campaign was all about. It's just accepting all for who they are. I really, I really hear you on that. I mean, it's because those people are, they are very angry and very linear at the moment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from what I see from the reporting over here, you know, from the Democrat side and from the people that I know that voted blue and are blue, they are still trying to embrace the mm -hmm. everybody, the red. They're like, you know, yes. a bit, it's, it's a bit like what we went through here with Brexit a little bit, which is that, you know, a load of us were like, obviously we don't want to leave the European Union. But having said that, when the decision was made to do so, we had to say to ourselves, well, why did half of the country vote to leave and they are obviously experiencing something that we have not been aware of and we need to look after them too so we need to listen even though we might not agree we need to listen and i think you know again that's about acceptance on both sides it's um it's crazy isn't it how when people can be all <laughs> leaning towards the same point but completely crossing each other. I'm, I'm uh, hopeful that the country can be united in a desire for healing and, mm -hmm. and healing of, of every variety. I mean, there's, there's just so much the country's gone through. It's been riven in untold ways. And the election itself is, is clear evidence of it. So there needs to be healing along the lines of mm -hmm. uh, grievances to do with race, with with respect to COVID-19 in the most literal sense. And, and I hope that'll be the chief priority, certainly, of the, the new uh, leadership. And it, and it appears yeah. to be so. It will be. And it's going to happen. And we have to will it so. I think the Dalai Lama was saying something today about that we have to all stop worrying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the Dalai Lama, how he just sits there mm -hmm. chilled out. He goes, why is everyone worrying? Just stop worrying. If you, can't, <laughs> you can't worry about an outcome. He says you just can't. It's like, if you can't control, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. So there's no point in worrying about it. 
anyway, listen, this is Letter to a Black Girl. So we've got to like shake this up a bit and, uh, and, and start smiling again. Here's the thing. Miss Amber is the most incredible artist. I actually, no, no, listen, I'm, I'm not just gassing you up. You are literally, <laughs> I fell in love with her art this summer when I was searching for the right woman to create the artwork for Letter to a Black Girl, um, which by the way, is just beyond what I wanted it to be. It's so warm and inviting and it's live and it showcases like this sort of really elegant, beautiful black woman, which I, I, we would like to say is very British. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. So Amber, like, just tell us a bit about your style and how you got there and what inspires you, you know, tell us everything. Okay. Thank you. First off, I appreciate it. Um, I always get all weird when it's time to talk about my work. I don't know why I'm like this. Um, so as far my style, since I was a little girl, I, I remember loving myself, but not, I don't think I loved myself enough. I didn't appreciate myself enough. And so one of my main concerns in my art, main messages I want to convey is um, just loving yourself as a little black girl, um, really. And so I just want to uplift and just showcase our beauty, the beauty of us, not necessarily physical beauty, but just our beauty, our essence as a whole um, is what I try to convey in my work, ultimately. Mm -hmm. It's amazing because it's just, I mean, it, that does come through, like literally, like the moment I saw your stuff, I was like, every single one of these girls, I just, I, I, I know them. Like, I know these girls, these are the black women that I know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and your work is stunning. And I noted that um, I think we have a shared appreciation of Sade. You have some beautiful renderings of her on. Thank on your you. site really gorgeous yeah so miss kim i mm. mean well where do i start i mean this is a phd you know miss, she's an expert in education and international development but then at the same time serving us <laughs> kim loves yoga on the side like she's literally like one of the best yogi teachers and a mentor and inspirer of wellness and and well-being um, a mindfulness. I mean, I don't know how you juggle the two. I mean, it is like, I mean, I always marvel at how you map, you've managed to create this world of mindfulness and well-being alongside this very, what I would think is quite a hectic lifestyle in relationship to education and, and managing that and in managing international students. Um, you know, I mean, that to me is just, it's, it seems insane to be able to put the two together and you know you're holding them firmly and fully in both of your hands it's it's ridiculously inspiring i mean how do you manage the two and and do they do they link for you yes well thank you you're so kind um the, the phd is a, a work in progress and and actually what i would say is i i've been fortunate in that the the things I've ended up doing have just become a reflection of of my organic interests. Um, everything's kind of been quite aligned, as it were. I've just always been kind of naturally passionate about education, which then ended up becoming my profession. In terms of the uh, international context, 
I was born in London. My parents are from Guyana. Um, I lived in Guyana between ages two and nine, and then went on to New York, studied in Philadelphia, got my master's here. I'm working on the PhD here um, at UCL. So it's, it's all been a journey, and along the way, everything's kind of become clearer and clearer, if you see what I mean. And um, I, I just feel uh, grateful that it's worked out in that way. As, as for yoga, it's been a passion for a decade. And I've brought that into my work, sharing it with my students, teaching my students, encouraging them to prioritize their well-being. And, and yeah, I've just been incredibly fortunate to be able to do that. As you know, each week I get my guests to read a letter to their younger selves. Now, you know, we've, we've kind of got a different route this, this week just because I was so excited about all the American politics um, mm. going on. So I was like, let me just get in there. But it is that time. Who is going yeah. up first? Amber, I'll go because okay. you, you so kindly uh, led the way earlier. Okay, yes, of course. <laughs> and, uh, and mine is, uh, is, is quite pithy. Dear younger self, there will be a pandemic in 2020. As clairvoyants go, Prince was only off by a decade, which is not bad by cosmic standards. All those you love tighter and for longer. Make forgiveness a habit, cultivate patience, and choose your words with the utmost care. You are weaving a very fine and delicate tapestry and you will want to ensure that it can weather all that is to come. Many of the things you think matter now do not. The things that have always mattered, the values that have survived the arc of human history, still do. Do not be afraid to go your own way. With love, your maturing self. Oh, I love Aww. that. It's so beautiful. It is. It's I so beautiful. It. I really love <laughs> that. Oh, these these letters make me so like fuzzy. They give me like goosebumps. <laughs> I know, me oh. too. Like felt all this warmth. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, amazing. Come on, Amber. Hit us. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> A letter to you. Look at you. That glow. It's blinding. So stunning you are, but you knew that. So smart you are but you knew that. You are capable of whatever you set your mind to. Don't allow those naysayers to control how you feel about yourself. Be unapologetically you. There is no need to try and mold who you are into their box of normalcy, because guess what? You're not normal. You argue for a reason. Embrace it, love it, flaunt it. Trust your mama. There is nothing wrong with your hair, nor your skin. You'll be embracing them so-called dookie braids to their full capacity. Those kinky, nappy, so-called unprofessional curls are beyond beautiful. As Miss Yara said, our hair defies gravity. It will not fit into your box. We will not fit into your box. That skin, kissed so graciously by the sun, so stunning it hurts. You are golden, sweetie. Let them be mean, but you never stop being kind. That is what's so precious about you. Their opinions of you are just that, opinions. They don't define you, only you define you. 
in the end, look who came out on top. You will be surprised with where you are now. You are doing what you've always loved. Your hard work is paying off, my love. You knew this would happen. Continue to trust the process. You just keep grinding. You just keep believing. You just keep shining. And most of all, you just keep doing you. Because even though you think you're doing it all wrong, you're doing it just flawlessly. I love you. Oh, God, I love it. You're both queens. You're just both. Both of those letters so full um, in passion and like just strong and um, warrior-like. And I love it. They're, those are like the most warrior-like letters that we've had this season. And I'm, I'm really, I love that. It's just so full of just appreciation of self. And, you know, I know that like, Growing up at the time, you don't necessarily feel that, but to be able to look back and to really own it and own yourself, it's just such a beautiful thing. Where did they come from for you? Well, I, I thought there was a kind of common thread between bo both of ours and that there's this acknowledgement that uh, everything we need, we already have, right? Whether it's the, the hair on our heads or... Uh, the, the guidance from from mother, etc. It's all there. Mm -hmm. And so we just have to have the courage, the wherewithal to tap into it. So I think that was it for me. Just uh, the first thing that came to me when I sat down to write it was, it, it would have been encouraging to know at the time that I, I didn't need anything outside of myself or beyond myself to achieve what, mm -hmm. what I needed to or mm -hmm. want to. Mm. Yes. Um, same with me. When writing my letter, I told myself, don't hold back um, and just let it all out there. I, I know who I was is what makes me who I am today. And the only thing that I wish I just didn't listen so much mm -hmm. to people's opinions about me, because I let that tear me down. I, I did very shy little girl, very naive, and sometimes too nice. <laughs> um, and so I just, I, I let people's opinions of me really tear me down. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I wish I would have just ignored, ignored it. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, but it's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard to do that. And especially when you're, you have a, a disposition as character to kind of just want to make friends <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. I definitely had that I just always you know and that's always been my downfall is that it's a strength because I'm it's good I can make company with people but it's always been an Achilles heel because you know I just want to be friends with people and then yet yeah, that opens you up so much that yeah you do start to as a sponge soak in negative mm -hmm. views um, and perhaps rely on the view from the outside more to define you than, than you driving it for yourself, you know, and it takes time to learn that. How do you think black American culture impacts black UK culture? And that's quite broad, but I guess you could think along the lines of like, I guess like sport, music, you know, even food. 
I think just coming at it from a, a slightly more maybe academic perspective, there's no denying that Black American culture is globally impactful. I think also because of that kind of cousin relationship between the U.S. and the U.K., the the impact is perhaps felt even more strongly. Mm. You know, even when you consider the the kind of um, great exodus, let's say, that we've seen of Black actors going to the U.S. uh, to pursue careers, in large part because they're excellent and they've been trained in the theater and so they can, <laughs> you know, they can really take advantage of those, those options, but, but also because the, the options aren't necessarily here because they've not, they've not been able to be formed in the same way that they have been formed in the U.S. So in, in terms of my comment about looking at it from an academic perspective, you have writers like David Olasaga, for example, mm-hmm. who in Black and British acknowledges that Black people have been in the UK since, you know, for a very, very long period of time. But we begin to maybe see uh, people of color uh, in, in earnest, let's say, around the time of the Windrush, Empire Windrush uh, journey in, in about 1948. So that was a Caribbean migration, but we're seeing more people of color uh, in the UK from around, let's say, the 50s or so, right? Whereas the migration in the US began, of course, with slavery. And so there was a much longer period once uh, Black people became free for you to see uh, Black people and and other people of of color Mm -hmm. in the US. And so there was more time for people to create communities that would support them, even though, of course, marginalization was still um, and, and still is a, a challenge. So I, I just say that to say that there's been more time for something very specific around Black talent and Black experience to incubate in the U.S., I find. And that's part of why um, that the kind of uh, Black excellence writ large as created within that American sphere mm-hmm. has become so easily recognizable. Um, and I think looked up to in a lot of ways, even though, of course, that same excellence exists all over, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you'll acknowledge that, you know, and uh, Dr. Anne-Marie Emifidon and Baroness Valerie Amos and uh, Rennie Edo Lodge don't have the same name recognition as Beyonce, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And it's not for, for lack of worthiness. So, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> no, I just, it's interesting because what yeah. you said about that exodus of like black Brits that sort of go over to the States and stuff. And because of the, and it is 100%, well, initially was definitely because of the lack of opportunity to progress or to climb a ladder here for black folk. But um, it's interesting. Maybe I should flip it the other way around. Like, what do you like really know about black British culture? You know, for me personally, I said for Kimberly to take um, take on the question because that's is so sad because I don't know enough. I, I do not know enough. I remember, I, I think I was probably 13, 12, 13 years old when I actually heard the voice and like a non-American voice come out of a black person and I was like, what is happening here you know? 
And it was because of YouTube. Mm -hmm. Honestly, YouTube opened my eyes to just seeing so many different cultures when I was young. And Mm. that is where I got my first like taste of it, I guess. I I don't know enough though. I I Mm. do not know enough. Mm. As sad as that is to say. Yeah. yeah. I think the other thing I'll I'll add to, which is pretty obvious that I had mentioned, is of course the the size discrepancy. So mm. America is a pretty big place, right? Um yeah. and, and Britain by comparison. It's just a number if you think about it from the perspective of numbers, right? That that's I think obviously playing a role, right? So yeah. fewer fewer black Britons that are are kind of known on the world stage in part because Mm. they're fewer they're fewer yeah yeah absolutely um I'm just gonna stop us for one second Mm. who's got a clock ticking in the back um uh, yeah I do it's not even a clock it's one of those you know like Chinese fortune cats Oh, Chinese fortune cat. Okay. Okay. Wait a minute. Okay. I kind of want to keep this in the recording. So we've had to stop because there's been an incessant ticking. And I asked Miss Kim what it was and we thought it was a clock, but she says it's a Chinese fortune cat. <laughs> I can't, I can't cope. Oh my God. I told you, I told you things were going to be different this week and they definitely are. So I am really sorry to ruin the flow, but okay. The cat is now gone. Yeah, Yeah, he's done. He's He's gone. gone. Yeah. Uh, You know, uh, but okay. So, I mean, it's, it's really, I just think that's really interesting just about like the knowledge of black um, especially like black American women knowing of black British women or knowing about even just black women in the diaspora mm-hmm. and what, you know, because I guess for me, you know, my perceptions of black American women are so, it's so broad because it's just like you're saying, it's broadcast all over my television, you know, has been since I was a kid, you know, and I, I guess in a way until I got older and I knew more American people directly as friends um, and family as well, because I have family that live in DC. I always had a very glossy view of like black American people, black American women, like you all seem to have your hair sorted, you know, your skin always looks great. Like, you know, like I was just always sort of like, no, but it just because that's what was projected to me because I didn't really understand the tensions that, even though I understood and I, you know, studied race relations and stuff in America um, in school, like I knew about it, but history when you're in school feels like history. It doesn't feel like what is the undercurrent of what is going on on the streets that day. You know what I mean? You don't necessarily, it's all the stuff you're learning about the thing over there, you know, it's not current. Um, And it was only when I sort of went to the States a lot and I started mm-hmm. to meet people that the gloss machine started to, to disappear. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly realized, okay, things are not so peachy. So it's, it's really fascinating to me. And there's something that I, I still think I'm just constantly worth thinking about. How can we link up more as black women from around the world, you know? Because even for instance, I mean, I know Amber, like you're in an interracial relationship, right? Yes. 
and yeah, and I was married to a white man for, for, for seven years. So, you know, I, the differences in being in an interracial relationship in the States to perhaps being in one here in Britain. I mean, I'm, mm. in, I, I'm in fascinated to, you know, if you wouldn't mind, if you don't mind, of but course. like what your experience of that might be. Um, so I remember in the beginning, it was a little hard for me personally, not so much for him and not hard because um, of him himself. It was hard for me because of the outside world and their opinions with their facial expressions. No one has ever said anything Mm. directly, but we definitely will get those looks like what are you doing <laughs> um and, and it's it's really it's sad it, it is so sad it, it is so frustrating yeah um and I know that in the beginning I used to let it bother me more okay and now when they look I just kind of look back like you got a problem <laughs> you know mm-hmm. or ignore it completely it it's, it's kind of like I've just put a blindfold on to it now like I Mm. I love him I don't care what anyone else says but at the same time it it hurt it's a little hurtful because the majority of our looks actually um come from black men they 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 those are who look like what are you doing you know and it's just like just because, and I shouldn't even have to explain myself, but just because no. I, I'm with a white man does not mean I hate black men, you know? It, it just kind of <laughs> happened this way. I, I just love whoever it happened this way, and I, I love him, and it, it, that is what it is. <laughs> it's really interesting yeah. that you say that because that's my experience as well, mm-hmm. was that the disapproving nature any of the disapproving looks or nature or or words that i got came from black men Mm -hmm. um predominantly which i find fascinating because i guess would you say that um uh, interracial relationship when it switched the other way around when it's a black man and a white woman is the same thing and it it really uh, for me as my thought it it really isn't Mm -hmm. i feel like I feel like there's a past that happens exactly. in a way that doesn't happen for black women. It, I a hundred percent agree. It's like, it's okay if it's the other way around, but not this, not if it's the black woman in the mm-hmm. picture. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I definitely agree. With that particular one, I just, I just wonder if there's some patriarchal stuff around, we get to dictate who you were with and what that looks looks like mm-hmm. but if you want to turn around and have any sort of opinion that's you know off off piece then you can keep that to yourself <laughs> that yes. i don't know it's a theory mm. i've got a very interesting <laughs> because we brought up beyonce earlier and i it just flicked in my mind and i was like oh my god we have to talk about this um but what what are your opinions on um, Beyonce's Black is King? Well, I think this is where you'll learn that I don't have a Disney Plus subscription. So <laughs> I've, I've, never, I've, I've never seen it. I'm, I've only been alert to the, um, the, the promotional materials and so on. And so my impression was that it's kind of like a, 
I don't want to say riffing off of um, Lemonade, but but looking like a, a progression of those themes and imagery mm -hmm. and so on. So no, knowing mainly that, I think um, it's it's always beautiful to see um, black people um, of of every walk of every shade represented on the screen. Um, it's beautiful to see um, us made visible as far as possible. Um, and I, I commend uh, Beyonce uh, for being committed to that. She seems to have a very clear and abiding commitment to that. Um, but I've, I've, not, I've not seen it. I, I've seen that there's been a lot of kind of, uh, a lot of opinions about it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of controversy about it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, I I agree. I, I've seen all of the controversy as well. Um, when I watched it, though, um, I personally I I love just to see black being represented on the big screen in general. Um, mm. So, I I liked it a lot personally. Mm. Um, I'm also a Beyonce fan, so I, I'm biased, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I thought it was beautiful, especially um, the, because it was like an accumulation of a bunch of the, I think the soundtrack to Lion King and Brown Skin Girl, that whole music video section was my favorite part of the um, movie. It, it was beautiful to me personally <laughs> which we see yeah. this is the thing because i think there's like the beautiful aspect of it and it's so good to see such a range of black faces being represented yes but do you worry that it just stays in that space and because also it's under the umbrella of beyonce mm -hmm. it, it, i wonder whether actually it's quite hard for her to actually make um make that a broad thing across and make the transition of blackness in all its forms a big broad thing across the industries um uh because it's easy to keep it under the umbrella of that's the thing that beyonce does rather than seeing all of those people within that piece as individuals without beyonce and i just wonder what that do you know what i mean without the the, the this the queen Beyonce being in the picture, mm -hmm. where, where do these people go and who is promoting these people and who is, you know, and are we going to see them again? Or was it just that one moment? And that's my worry, mm -hmm. I guess, a little bit mm -hmm. with it all. This makes me think of a, a larger question, essentially, right? Yeah. Because what this represents to me, and, and it was the same with Lemonade, it was the same with the Black Panther inspired uh, Super Bowl performance. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that uh, it's clear that Beyonce had to ascend to certain heights to feel uh, confident enough to do whatever she, she pleased, you know, mm -hmm. to be quite, um, well, I suppose the, the common term now is unapologetic, right? To be yeah. quite um, clear um, about her blackness and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and forthright in that way. So then it does kind of beg this question that you posed, Gloria, which is if, if you've got someone in a position where they're arguably pulling others up, where are others finding their kind of power um, mm -hmm. to be able to act in the yeah. same way, yeah. right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, because, you know, obviously all of these individuals have their own, their own talent, their own agency, their own platform, so on and so forth. But um, yes, the very fact of Beyonce <laughs> is that she had to, to, to work and position herself for a very long time yeah. to be able to to get to this place right yeah absolutely it is it is mm. which which is amazing and i love that mm. just i worry i'm like about that ladder thing you know like that 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 you know if she's at the top of the ladder and mm -hmm. she's climbed up and she's put rungs in place to get to the top of that ladder mm -hmm. um and then she's just pulling people up their rungs their ladders haven't got as many rungs as hers have. So when you pull people up to a massive height like that, what have they got to put their feet on? Where's the foundation for them to stay at the height that you've lifted them to? Um, and that's my worry. You know, we punch them out, but then what's next? Um, you know, and how, how mm. can we help as a community to help facilitate and lift them up? and then not just be something within the bracket of Beyonce. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, it's a, it's really tricky. Well, I think that actually brings our conversation full circle, right? Because yeah. then we're looking at uh, systems that are in place, right? And mm. we're looking at not just uh, ideology that has become kind of embedded in our in individual um, minds, but but also within culture, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I guess if we're talking about the realm of uh, performance, we could look at the Oscars, right? And this uh, drive to ensure that there are more members of the Academy who are black or or people of color, etc. And and that maybe being one way to um, to have a more firm foundation. And, and you could argue that it's not particularly helpful, et cetera, and you know, who is in fact selecting these people, so on and so forth. But I do think we would need to be looking at systems at that juncture because it, yes, Beyonce cannot save, <laughs> save the whole, well, the whole situation. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. She can only do, she's only one woman. And I know mm -hmm. she has a team of people that work for her, but, <laughs> but fundamentally she's just one voice do you know what i mean mm -hmm. that is doing that and it's a lot of pressure you know to put on <laughs> one woman too you know like that's a lot yeah. now listen i mean i so we're gonna have to wrap up because um it's our time is up that's it yeah. so um i i know i know i'm really i'm just it's been so good having having you both here just tell us a bit about what you've got coming up, um, you know, and I know you're across the seas, but people, that's what we've got internet for. Uh, everyone's locked down. Um, so Amber, like what's coming up next and how can people find you, uh, you know, all your commissions and stuff. And people, you know. <laughs> um, so what's coming up next for me, I'm actually right now working on my website. I've been a lot of questions about when I'm going to start selling prints of my work and I promise it's coming. It is coming. It's coming um, so I'm working on that business aspect and then also if you guys want commissions you know yeah just hit me up I am always down to do a commission for you yeah and how can they find you oh they could find me on Instagram at um, amber.shanice s-h-a-n-i-c-e art 
amazing and like hit her up because her art is so good i'm just oh yeah i can't i'm gonna gas you up big time it's, it's ridiculous <laughs> and this kim where can we what's coming up for you how can people contact you especially if they want some yoga mm, are you doing online yeah so in december uh every wednesday in december uh at 6 30 p.m i'll be teaching yin yoga in support of the black minds matter charity um, which provides uh, free therapy for Black people with Black therapists. Uh, so I'll be doing that online, and the information will be posted on uh, Instagram, at KimberLoveYoga. Um, and in case anyone's curious, um, KimberLove is what some of my friends call me. Um, it's, 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 I'm not like kind of not... Uh, figured out how to match a verb and subject. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, this has been so great. Well, ladies, thank you so much for taking the time out. Amber, for coming to us, you know, midday in, uh, in, in LA. Thank you so yes. much for making this space. Of course. A really, really special letter to a black girl. And that is it for this week. And we will see you soon. You can find us on Instagram at Letter to a Black Girl and on Twitter at LTABGpod. If you have any letters, poems, music or musings that you would like to share, then please do get in touch via the email link in our Instagram bio. We'd love to hear from you. Cut up from the finest cloth from the finest tree girl you're the one second to none oh